All right, I hope that family has been watching online and they've gotten some help throughout this series. Amen? And uh, I'm glad that all of you are here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a great group of people. You guys look so nice. Come on, tell somebody beside you. Have you, have you lost weight? You look like you've lost weight. That's a, you're looking good. Looking good. Getting rid of that COVID. They said COVID-19. I think it's more like COVID-30, COVID-40, 50. Depends on who we are. Uh, it's all we had to do all year long is just to eat, right? So I uh, uh, went to the doctor this week. I said, you got to help me get this back off. I mean, come on. And uh, he said something about not going to Buckeye Donuts. I don't know. But anyway, I, I was only half listening because I was about to go eat somewhere. But anyway, it, great to see you guys. That wasn't in my notes. I'm just glad to see everybody. Amen. Are you glad to see each other? Come on. Come on. You glad to see each other? Uh, why don't you give each other a hand? Come on. Say, I'm glad you came today. All right. Well, we welcome you. If you're a first-time guest, we hope it's the first of many. We just say welcome home. We're glad you're here. And uh, if you're watching online, we want to say thank you for joining us online. And uh, we're just welcoming you to us as well. Come on, Cap City. Let everybody know we're glad they've joined us today. Amen. There we go. Oh, that was great. That was great. I didn't even have to have you do it again. That was awesome. I love that. Well, today we're actually going to wrap up uh, this series called Bless This Home, and uh, next week is Father's Day, so don't miss it. It's going to be a great day. We have some uh, special things planned for you, so don't miss next week as we uh, go into Father's Day and then into the summer months. Uh, we're planning a, bless you, we're planning a series, uh, it had to be said, we just, that's what we say around here, amen, we bless each other, and uh, so uh, we're going to begin a series uh, in a couple weeks called You Asked For It. And uh, during the uh, Easter service, you remember you filled out that survey and, and uh, gave us some ideas of what you would like to uh, hear about or uh, learn about uh, through the messages on Sunday. So we're very excited about that. A lot of great things coming up. Mount of Praise starts next Sunday night, and uh, that's going to be a great time of joy. We've got mission trips this summer. We've got camp meeting here in July. It's going to be, I'm telling you what, I'm going to have to uh, rest up when September comes. It's going to be a busy summer, amen? But uh, God is so good. And I'm so thankful that we can come together on Sunday morning. I call it my favorite time of the week, and it absolutely is because we can come in and no matter how our week has been, whether it's been great or whether it's been difficult, we can come in here together and we begin to worship God, we begin to sing his praises, sense his presence, our hearts can be stirred, we can learn from the word. It's just a great time to come together, amen? And I'm so thankful that Capital City Church is a life-giving church. How many of you ever been to a church and you left, don't tell me which one it was, I'm not interested, but you, sometime you, you've been to church, you left, I'd have been better off if I'd have just stayed home, come on, just be honest. Okay, a couple of you, huh? The rest of you probably, you've just been here the whole time, thank you, I'm glad. But uh, it's kind of like the guy that said uh, someone collapsed in the, in the middle aisle during the service, so they called the ambulance, and they said, we've had somebody, they've, they've collapsed in the aisle, and they're not showing any signs of life. Thank God he was okay, but the paramedics came in, and they started looking around, and they checked four or five people before they found the guy that was lifeless. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if that's true or not. I just love that story. I just think that's great. I'm glad that when we come here... We leave with more life, amen? I, I never leave saying, I'm, I'm sorry I went to church. And so it's very important for a church to be life-giving, to have a healthy environment so that people can receive God's best. The same is true with our relationships, and that's why I want to talk to you about life-giving relationships, because the hope is, the goal is, 
that we come here, we learn, we grow, we become more like Christ, and then we take it outside of these four walls into our relationships and into our lives, and we be the church outside these walls, amen? How many of you know that if there's no one in this building, this building is not the church? Because you are the church. Come on, tell the other person on the other side of you, you're the church, so you better act good like it, huh? You better act like it, right? So we have to have life-giving relationships if they're gonna succeed. And that's what we've been talking about all the last five weeks as we've looked at uh, this Bless This Home series. And the true is, of course, in our home environment. And we've learned how important it is to have life-giving relationships in our home. It's true in the church. It's true at work. It's true in our marriage. It's, it's true in the school environment. And we've all been, unfortunately, or seen toxic or what I call life-taking environments. Life-taking environments and, and life-taking relationships. And, and some of you uh, have, have really had to pray through some of that and, and allowed God to, to speak to your heart. And, and, and I just want you to hang with me this morning because as we close out this series, uh, we're going to do something I think very significant to help us take that step into life-giving relationships. But before I get into the story today, I'm very excited about the story of, of Jacob. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. But before I do that, let me just give you uh, some practical things out of Scripture, what I call relationship killers. So if you're taking notes, you can open your bulletin there and pull them out and follow along if you'd like to. Uh, let me just give you some things that uh, we've kind of talked about these throughout the series, but I just kind of want to remind you what not to do in relationships because this is what's going to stop those relationships from being healthy, from being successful, from being life-giving, and we got to be very careful about it. The first one is, if you're taking notes, is reckless words. Reckless words. We've got to be very careful to think before we talk. They used to tell us, count to 10 before you say anything, before you give any advice or before you say any words, amen? It, because here's the problem. A lot of times, we'll talk bad or talk down or talk about people. And you know, Crystal and I were talking about this this week and we were saying, you know, it, it, it's really sad that there are some that the only way they can find any kind of, any kind of, uh, uh, of self-worth, any kind of, of of self-esteem uh, is if they will find someone else that has it uh, uh, better than them and tear them down and try to make them look good and, and do everything they can to talk about them and, and make others think that they're terrible and that they're an expert and they know why they're terrible and they'll talk about them, they'll talk down about them, uh, they'll talk bad about them. And you remember we said sticks and stones will not break our bones. It will break our bones, but words will always hurt us, right? The saying is, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt us. We know that's not true because physical wounds will heal. Probably every one of us in this room have physical wounds that eventually healed or are healing. I'm the first one to say I can testify that this week because I was looking down at some paperwork and I walked right into a bar, right? This is not a joke about pastors. It wasn't a place where you drink. It was actually a bar. <laughs> it was a, a little a, a bar that came down on the awning on the camper and I wasn't looking at it. I was walking along and all of a sudden, boom, I hit myself right between the eyes and, and didn't realize it, but it started to bleed. And if I take my glasses off, you can actually see it. It broke the skin and there's a scab right there, right? So the really cool thing, as long as I wear my glasses, you can't even tell. But 
I just told him anyway. But anyway, that, you got to watch where you're walking. I'll never, remember, I'll never forget, I should say, uh, when Daniel was uh, much younger. Uh, he was playing outside the church, and we had had a special event, and we had a tent up. And you know those tents have the, the, the cables that hold the tent up. And he was chasing somebody, and probably a girl, I don't know. But anyway, uh, he was chasing somebody and clipped that thing and knocked him straight down on his back in the concrete. I mean, it just went right across his face, and we had to lifelight him to the, to the emergency room. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really even remember a lot of the details of that story, except for it hurt really, really, really bad, and we were very worried. Flew him to downtown Atlanta. But all that's healed now. If he t- was here to tell you, it doesn't hurt anymore. But I'm going to tell you, there are words that people have spoken to us and about us that it's hard to shake those things, and they crop up. So we got to be careful about our reckless words. Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise, watch this, brings healing. Our goal is to bring healing in our relationships. The next one, if you're taking notes, is negative attitudes. I, like you, can't stand negativity. I believe that laughter is the best medicine. And if you're having a difficult time and if you're having a bad day, I've got some advice for you. Just go home and put the Andy Griffith Show on and watch Barney be funny and it'll make everything okay, all right? That's what we do in our house. We just put some Andy Griffith on and it just seems like everything's fine now, right? Laughter is great. And if, but the problem is if we get negative thoughts in our minds, it can actually kill our relationships. Why? Because we carry that into our relationship. We carry that negativity into our relationships with our wife, with our husband, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our fellow church members. Romans 8, 6, the mind, circle that word, the mind of a sinful man is death. But the mind, circle it again, controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So allow the Holy Spirit to be the attitude that is within you, and whatever attitude that is within you is the attitude that will flow out of the heart. Next is an unbalanced life. An unbalanced life leads to chaos. We know that, which, which leads uh, into uh, chaotic relationships. And we got to be very careful and very quick to create boundaries and, and not allow our life to become unbalanced where we're at work too much. Or uh, you might be surprised I'm saying this, but where we're at church too much. Did you know there are people that are so, so involved in ministry, they've forgotten their family? And I've said it from the very beginning. It's God first, my family, and then my ministry. It has to be that way because my, I have been stewarded with the relationships and the kids and the family that God has given to me. So I've got to be careful to have a balanced life. Yes, I'm going to, put, I'm going to be all in with God. I'm going to be all in with my ministry. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to be all in with my family as well. Look what it says in Luke 21. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation drunkenness and anxieties of life and that day will close on you unexpectedly watch this like a trap unexpected the thing about a trap is you don't get caught in a trap if you see it the thing about a trap is you don't understand it's coming till you get hit with it and get caught with it and if we're not careful if we're living an unbalanced life it's going to catch us off guard and then we're going to look back and realize we built ourselves into this process are you with me so we got to be very careful about that relationship killer. The next one is wrong choices, of course. If we're around people who are toxic, what happens? We bring that toxicity home. An unsterile environment that will make you very sick will cause you to spread that to others. 
And so we've got to make right choices to hang around with the right people and hang around in the right places and do the right things. All of those things are so important. Why? Because it's not only affecting our relationship with God, it's, rela- it's, re- it's affecting our relationship with everyone around us. Amen. And there's a reason why Jesus followed up the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, there's kind of an unwritten thing there that says the first thing we got to do is we got to love ourselves. We have to love who God created us to be. We got to quit looking in the mirror and calling ourselves dumb, calling ourselves ugly, calling ourselves unworthy, calling ourselves, saying that we're, we're, not, we're not worth anybody's business. We got to love ourselves because, listen, God created you just like you are, and He loves you just like you are. So you've got to see that first. And when I fall in love with who God made me, then I can love others like that. Amen. That's right. Give God a praise. Come on, tell somebody, you need to love yourself a little bit more than you do. Just tell them. Everybody needs to hear that. Now tell them, I love you, whether you love yourself or not, huh? Proverbs eleven nineteen: the truly righteous man attains life, but he who pursues evil gives to his death. Wow. So here's what I want you to know this morning. As we close out this series, it's time to bury the hatchet. As I read this story and I was preparing this sermon, that phrase came to me and it stuck. And I went back and I researched. I don't know if you know where we came that. You know what we mean by that. If we bury the hatchet, that means we're going to reconcile our relationship. Basically, that's what we're saying. We're going to bury the hatchet. We're going to, but where did that come from? So I went and I did some digging and I found that as an old Native American custom, when wanting to make peace, they would literally bury their weapons in the ground to show that they were not a threat and that they wanted peace. They would take all their weapons, all the things that they used in order to win this battle and to be in and to, and to uh, be in control they would take their hatchet or whatever it was they had and they would bury those things to show I'm not going to be a threat I truly want to reconcile well here's what we need to do in all of our relationships we need to take all of those weapons that we've been using to be right and to show that we're smarter and to show that we're stronger and to show that actually what we're showing is that we're stubborn and that we won't give in. And we need to take all of those weapons that we've been using to try to make ourselves feel better, make ourselves look better, make ourselves uh, uh, seem like we're, we're better than we are and realize all of those things are gonna go behind me and I'm gonna do some things to put the other person first and I'm gonna build this relationship back. Listen, I want you to know, no matter where you are in this relationship that you've been praying about throughout this series, whether it's with God or whether it's with those around you, I wanna tell you, there is still hope. There absolutely is hope in that relationship. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the things that I've seen. No, no, I don't. But I know, I, I've, I'm human. I've had relationships, and I know what it's like for people to be mean. I know what it's like for people to, to hate me. I know what it's like to, to call, peop- call me the devil. I know what it's like for people to sue me. I've been through all of those things, and I know what it's like to have people that I thought I could count on, people that I thought loved me, turn on me on a dime and, and come against me. Listen, we, we know that that's we're, we live, with, we live in a world that's, that's a, a made up of, of jars of clay. We're all human, and we know that the only one that will never disappoint is God. Amen? But the people around us sometimes will disappoint us. I just want to say, one of the greatest healings, I've experienced several healings in my life. I had a lipoma 
uh, in my uh, or uh, pulmonary embolism uh, in my lung and uh, survived it. I was coughing up blood. It should have been dead. It wasn't dead. I was hit in the head right here with a board, and they said if it would have happened a, uh, just a fraction of an inch higher, it would have killed me instantly. There's a lot of things that I should have been dead. I could have been dead, but I'm not dead because God wants me to be here. So I understand that, that, that we can uh, go through those healings. God wants to heal your relationship. The greatest healing I've ever experienced was a relationship healing. And it was something where uh, I had gone through an experience. Uh, it was, uh, I think I told you the story uh, a few weeks ago where uh, the board had come against me and, and I went back and I, and I, I went to each one of them and reconciled and, and we worked it out and we built that, that pile of stones that we talked about last week where Laban and Jacob built the stones and we put it all right there and we hugged, we embraced, we cried, we made, and, and do you know that when I went to tell that story, I still don't remember all the details, a few months later, it was completely gone. God completely healed me almost instantly of any kind of pain, any kind of struggle, and it was almost as if it had never happened. And we, when we would come to church, it was like it never, ever happened. It was amazing. That's how awesome God is. So I want you to go to, uh, uh, to chapter 30. Three of Genesis, and uh, I also included in your notes. Last week we talked about Jacob and Laban uh, bearing the hatchet and building the stones and, and, and making it out, but now there's an even bigger challenge because Jacob has to try to make nice with Esau. And you remember the story, Jacob uh, uh, lied to their father and stole Esau's birthright. And so Esau, of course, was very angry. And uh, now Jacob was traveling towards Esau and he was going to have to make nice. And the interesting thing is, just a little background, that, that journey, within that journey of him coming to see Esau was when he wrestled with the Lord and the Lord touched his hip and changed his name to Israel. Do you remember that? And his name was, his name became Israel. When Israel, if you follow the story, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible because of how it all comes together, Jacob becomes Israel. He has 10 sons with Leah, and then he has a son with, with Rachel, Joseph, and then later on a son, Benjamin, with Rachel. And those become his 12 sons, which become the 12 sons of Israel, which become the 12 tribes of Israel, which we call the children of Israel. And the Bible would have never had the story of the children of Israel if Jacob had not been committed to working out relationships. Are you with me? So here's, here's where we are now. Now Jacob, it still calls him Jacob in chapter 33, but his name has now been called Israel. And we pick up in verse one. I just want to read the story. Oh, by the way, in chapter 32, in process of, of leading up to meeting uh, Esau, uh, uh, Jacob had just wrestled with God and he's preparing to meet Esau and he sends ahead, there, there evidently was some kind of change in his heart, he sends ahead gifts to Esau to prove that, hey, I wanna make, I wanna, I wanna make sure that we can reconcile this relationship. I want you to see this. He sends 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, which I don't even, I don't even know what that is, but E-W-E-S, uh, some of you can tell me later, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. And maybe the reason he sent the ewes is because with all of those, uh, all of those gifts that the, the, the donkeys and the camels and the cows leave behind, maybe the key word was, ew, uh, ew, I don't know, but that's a, 
you know, next week's Father's Day. You've got to have a dad joke in there somewhere, right? All right, so here we go. Are you with me? You've got the story. You've got the picture. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. And he probably thought, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He remembers what I did. He remembers I stole his birthright. He remembers all of that. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. And he put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her, and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times. Think about this for a moment and remember that. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him. Watch this. Threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. Wow. Then Esau looked at the woman and women and children and asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children that God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. Then the servant wives came forward and their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel, his prized possessions, came, before, came forward and bowed before him. And what were all these flocks and herds that I met as I came? What, what was the deal with that, Jacob? What, what's with all these, the, the stuff that you sent ahead, Esau asked. And Jacob replied, they are a gift, my Lord. Underline those two words, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted. Can I tell you something? If you're going to reconcile those relationships, you've got to insist that you're going to do what is right. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to have all these plans. You're going to have all these things figured out. And when you get into this situation, chances are the enemy is going to try to get you to chicken out and try to get you to go remind you of why you were fighting in the first place and start thinking of all that stuff and not make it right. But Jacob instead said, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. This is verse 10. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me, and I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, you can see, my Lord, that some of the children are very young and the flocks and the herds have their young too. If they are driven too hard, even one day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children, and I will meet you in Seir. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of my men and guide to protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you've received me warmly, my Lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir that same day. What we see here is Jacob and Esau bearing the hatchet, putting away their right to be right, putting away their right to get even, putting away their right to fight, and saying, no, no, you are more important. Your relationship and my relationship with you is more important than all of that stuff. And Jacob and Esau were wonderful examples of what it means 
to reconcile, to come together. And so for just a minute, let me help you understand what that looks like. Put away all of your weapons. Put away all of your, all of your uh, arguments. Put away all of those things that, that you've brought to the table every time you've ever talked to that person. Just bury that stuff. And do these things. And I believe we will see blossoming, beautiful, God-given, life-giving relationships. Are you ready? The first one is this. Express unconditional acceptance. Put away your weapons and express unconditional acceptance. Do you see it in verse 4? Then Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Wow. One of the best ways to express unconditional acceptance is to just embrace. Right over here, I saw a beautiful picture of this as, as uh, uh, Sherry stepped off the stage from leading worship and and Pastor Scott was there praying with folks. And, and as she came down and they met, they embraced. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful illustration of just how to show how much we love each other. Each one of these, I want to give you how Jesus modeled this. The first one is in Mark chapter 10, verse 16. When he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. You have to understand that this frustrated the disciples. It's like, not the kids. No, no. But Jesus understands relationship building starts at the very youngest age. And I have to express my desire to accept you unconditionally. Aren't you glad for the unconditional acceptance that God gives to each of us? It's so important to be there for people that you love. Let me just say, practically, it's important to have that physical touch, to give them a hug. You know, uh, I have an a, 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 a understanding that if, if you want a hug, I'll give you a hug. I mean, I just, I just, love, I just love to show Christian love. And, and uh, I have some, some uh, Janet, bless her heart, uh, after church every Sunday. She's got to get that hug, you know. And, and uh, you know, it just shows I love you, right? But uh, some people are a little uncomfortable with that. One of them was my friend Dave. And Dave hated he was a He was kind of a really strong guy and, and a big guy. And he was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't do the hugging thing. Just leave me alone. No, no. People try to hug him. No, 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 I don't do that. And, and uh, you know, he, he loved people. He just, he wasn't, no, I'm, I just don't do that. I don't, I don't do the hug. That, that's, that's, that's not a manly thing. Well, one day uh, I learned that maybe that's not the case because I was on my way home uh, from a college class and uh, I was driving about 70 miles an hour uh, up the highway, and a line of deer crossed the road. And it wasn't whether I was going to hit one. It was whether uh, it was kind of multiple choice. And so I tried to aim between two of them. One of them hit the whole side of my car. Well, Dave owned a, a uh, body shop. 
And so the first thing I did the next morning is I drove in. I mean, there was still blood all alongside the car. I mean, it was a mess. And he came out and saw the side of my car, and he ran to me and gave me a full body embrace and a hug and said, thank you, pastor, I need the work. I was like, aha! Now I know what made it motivates you. I thought you didn't hug. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, need, I, need, I need the work. You know, that's great. Thanks for bringing it to me. I said, you're never gonna get away from it again. Every Sunday I'd say, him, come on, bring it in, Dave. I know, you're a hugger. Yeah, so anyway, uh, I'm not saying, don't force people to do it, but just understand, shake hands, be nice, be kind. How did Jesus do it? He showed really, it was more about the attitude. It was an attitude of acceptance. He accepted people before they changed. So here's what we wanna do. We wanna reserve our acceptance until they line up to how we expect them to be. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't say, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. If you'll get all that right, now follow me. Now you can be in my group. No, no, he created an environment of acceptance. He built a bridge of acceptance, and he said, come and follow me. Zacchaeus, get out of that tree, come on down. I wanna go to your house. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, you've made every one of these people mad. They can't stand you. Go and reconcile and get them all their money back and then maybe we can talk that's not what Jesus said he said come on down I want to go to your house and hang out right and if we're going to have relationships with people we've just got to listen don't be so worried about winning the argument like we said before be encouraged to win their heart number two put your weapons away and show them special attention well, Esau said in verse 12, let's be going. Let's travel together. Let's hang out. I'll lead the way. Let's go. Hey, we're buds now. We've hugged. We've cried. We're back together. We're friends. Let's, let's travel together. And you know what? There's no other, uh, maybe no other way of showing someone that you really love them if you're willing to travel with them for hours and hours and on end. Amen? If you're willing to get in a car with them and drive to Florida, you must really, really want to spend time with them, right? Halfway to Florida, you're like, I don't know if this was really a good idea. Maybe you should catch an Uber. I don't know. Fly home. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay by myself, but not Jesus. Jesus' model was that he gave quality time to people around him, particularly his disciples. Look what it says in Matthew 17, 1. After six days, after he was wore out, after he was tired, after, after uh, you know, he, he could have been alone and just, and just kind of chilled, he took it with him Peter, James, and John, the brother James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So write this down. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. Show them special attention. Dads, get out there and shoot some hoops. Moms, invite your daughters in to help cook. Yeah, they probably should do the dishes, but don't just make them do the dishes. Spend time with them. Be on purpose. Number three, put your weapons away and encourage them with your words. Again, we've talked about this during our series, but I want you to notice something in verses 8 and 13 through 15. Jacob said to his brother four times, my Lord, my Lord. 
He said in verse 8, And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came? And Esau, Esau asked Jacob, and Jacob replied, They are a gift, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. What was he doing? I'm putting you above me. You're awesome, and I want you to know that. It was, a, it was an expression of, of submission, an expression of surrender, a, an, an expression of lifting someone else up, encouraging them, helping them to know that they were important. And Jesus did the, this the whole time he walked this earth. He didn't point out the disciples' shortcomings. And buddy, they had a lot of them. But so do you and so do I. And if Jesus took the time to point out our shortcomings, we'd be here all, well, I was going to say all day, but we'd be here all week and just get started. Right? Because we're human. But he didn't do that. He spoke potential into them. That's why I put this verse in Matthew 16 where Jesus is talking to uh, Peter. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, you're not who they say you are, you are who I say you are. You with me so far? Jesus said, you're not who you think you are. You're better than that. You are who I say you are. Listen, Jesus is saying to you, you are not who you tell yourself you are every time you get up and look in the mirror. You are who I say you are. You are who I see you as. Quit putting yourself down. Quit believing the lies that everybody around tells you. You are great. You are a beautiful child of God. God made you as you are. Let him lift you up. Let him elevate you to who you really are. Jesus sees you for who you can be and will be, not for who you think you are and are. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Wow. Sadly, many of us become so critical, and it may even be true, but we camp out in the critical. I want to tell you something. You won't get what you want that way. You've got to speak things as they could be, as though they are, and believe in people. <laughs> I brought this along. I thought maybe it'd be a good time to break the mood a little bit, and I'm going to give the men a little guide of dangerous versus safe things to say to your wife. Are you ready? Dangerous things to say. Are you wearing that? <laughs> Now, ladies, you can say that to us guys, and we're like, well, I was, but I don't know. You want me to change? I don't know. But guys, do not answer back. And say this, hey, you look good in brown. There you go. Find something good, right? You can find something good in anyone. Yes, I said it, anyone. Even the person sitting right beside you, you can find something good in them if you try hard enough. Guys, don't say, should you be eating that? No, no. You're going to be sleeping on the couch. Say, say this. Here, have some chocolate. There you go. That's a little better, right? That always works. <laughs> Don't come home, guys, and say, well, what'd you do all day? No, 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 no. Here's the safe way to phrase that. I've always loved you in that robe. You look so nice. It's so good. <laughs> and you have to be very careful to put the emphasis on the right syllable. You know what I'm talking about. 
Well, I really like that dress. <laughs> no, you're in trouble now. Because you're insinuating you don't like the rest of the dresses she wore all last week, right? Well, your hair looks good today. <laughs> well, what's that supposed to mean, huh? Like the comedian said, everything was going great at the family reunion until someone said, well, what's that supposed to mean? And then it just all went south after that, right? We got to be careful to speak, find something good. If you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. You said amen, not boo. That's great. Number four, put your weapons away and put their agenda ahead of your own. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assign some of my men to guide you and protect you. Come on, let me take care of you. Let me, let me lead you. Let me help you. Let me invest in you. Now, here's a guy that had every reason to get even. He had every reason to be mean. He had every reason to get mad. But did he? No, he didn't. Let me help you. We're brothers. We love each other. Jesus modeled it in Mark chapter 10. This is why Jesus was so wonderful. He never asked for anything from you. What he did is something for you. Do you ever notice that about Jesus? Look what he says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the highest calling that we can have in any area of our life, is to serve. Amen. I wrote this down. Write this down somewhere. Serving will elevate you to the highest place of influence. Serving will elevate you to the highest place of influence. Why? Because people are drawn to other people who invest in them, who care enough to help them and to love them. Serving will create an environment that your marriage will thrive in, that your home will thrive in, your kids will thrive in, your employees will thrive in. Quit insisting that you're the boss and just be the leader. And if you're the leader, that means you're serving. That's what Jesus showed us. And then number five, put your weapons away and give them something unexpected. The greatest gift is an undeserved gift. You know that, right? A gift that, expected, that is expected is still a gift, but it doesn't mean nearly as much if it's unexpected and especially undeserved. Did you see it in verse 11 where Jacob said, please take this gift I've brought you for God has been so very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. And we already said that he returned that gift by saying, hey, let my guys protect you. Let my guys guide you. Let my guys be there for you. And, and all of a sudden, they're in their relationship where they're not trying to take from each other. They're not trying to steal from each other, but they're, trying, they're, they're, they're fighting over who can give more and who can be nicer, huh? It's like going out to eat with someone and you fight for 10 minutes over who's gonna pay the bill. No, you pay. No, you pay. No, you pay. No, no you pay. That's not how it goes, right? 
That'd be a terrible relationship. No, you pay. No, you pay. And then finally one of them says, well, you know what? It's completely up to me. Whatever I say, I'll just... No, that's a terrible relationship. A good relationship. No, let me pay. No, let me pay. I'll pay. No, I'll pay. Oh, no. Why? Because I just want to give to you. I want to help you. And if, you, if we just did this one thing, Jesus did it, Right? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave it all. I want to tell you something. It was unexpected and undeserved. But he gave it freely for all of us. And that kind of love compels us to respond. And that's what I'm going to ask us to do this morning. You'll see over here on my left and on my right two tables. And on each table is a bowl of water in the middle. And surrounding it is little stones. And I want to hearken back to last week's story where Jacob and Laban took the stones, built an altar and reconciled and said, okay, we're going to bury the hatchet. We're going to put our weapons away. In fact, we're going to go an even step further. We're going to take those weapons and we're going to name this stone grudge. This is the grudge I've been holding against you. Bitterness. This is the bitterness I've been hanging on to. The right to get even. That's what this is. And they would take them and pile them together. And they would leave it there. In each of these basins is water. The water represents the life-giving water of Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do, if you feel so compelled, as the worship team sings, in your own timing, in your own moment, to just walk forward, either side, take a stone, maybe you need to take a couple, place whatever it is that you're hanging on to that is definitely your part in whatever relationship it is that's fractured. Wash it into that water. Now the most important one would be this. If for some reason your relationship with Jesus is fractured. For God so loved you that he gave his only son Jesus. That if you believe in him, you shall not perish. But you will have everlasting life. He has that for all of you. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. If you're able, just stand. And as we sing this song, as God compels you, I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not asking you to write it down. You know what it is. This is just a symbolic way for you to say, God, I'm going to depend on you to help me build life-giving relationships with you and with those around you. God, I'm going to give you the permission 
to help me love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my my neighbor as myself. As they sing and as you feel led, just come forward, take a stone, place it in the water, it's evident that everyone has done and back to, you can go back to your seat. We'll pray together. You can come at this time. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling welcome to sing this together. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down. Bow down Oh 
Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with the Let's bring our hearts to the altar us to be the church outside these four walls by shining the love of Jesus, the joy of his salvation. Lord, I pray that when people see us, they see the heart of God through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. 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 Can we give God one more praise offer today? Amen. Amen. Uh, you can be seated for just a moment, and uh, I'm going to ask Pastor David to come and pray for the offering. I'm going to ask the ushers to come at this time and uh, receive uh, the morning tithes and offerings. And, uh, 
So if you did not come prepared to give, we understand that. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, we just uh, would like to, uh, we have something to give you. If you'll give us your communication card, if you haven't already, uh, you can put, take it back to the Welcome Center. We have a special gift for you. Uh, this is our way of, uh, of showing God our thankfulness for His blessing uh, for those that call Capital City Church their home. If you would like to give online, you can do so by going to uh, capcitychurch.live and go to the giving uh, tab where you can give through Cash App. And uh, we're just so grateful for the many blessings uh, that are about to happen this summer through the giving of this church, not the least of which is our trip to Arizona. Very exciting. And uh, we're going to be learning more about that to come. Pastor David, would you uh, pray over the offering that I, I think you had something you wanted to... I had a couple of yeah. minutes. Okay, thank you. Father, we thank you today for the fact that you are wonderful. The fact that you have loved us even though we are unworthy. And Lord, all of the things that we heard that we are to put our weapons away and to forgive others, you did that first with us. And thank you for your forgiveness that's full and free. And Lord, we thank you for forgiveness that we then can offer to each other. Now we pray that you will take this offering, bless it and use it. I pray that you'll continue to make this church a shining light in this city, that Lord will touch this city and around the world for Christ. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So ushers, just go right ahead. A couple things. If you're going on the Arizona mission trip, would you just stand right now, right where you are? Maybe not everybody's here, but if you're planning to go, uh, we're going the first uh, week of August, and it's going to be a great thing. And uh, I think we're going to have a picture of the worship team up here. Yes, there they are, the Arizona team. I want you to look at there. And all of them are trying to raise money. It's not easy to go uh, to a mission trip like this. Here's what we're doing. We're trying to reach 100 children out there at least. Will you pray about sponsoring one child for $50 between now and the end of July? All you have to do is just mark it and simply say, $50, I'm marking this to reach Arizona for the cause of Christ. $50. If you want to do more, that's good. If, if you'd like to just do 100 of them, that'd be $5,000. And we'd be very grateful for that. But uh, I want you to remember our worship team. Let's give them a hand and our ministry team as they go. And uh, Scott Clay is leading our puppet team. So thank you. You may be seated. And then there is uh, one other announcement I want to just make today, and that is that a little over 50 years ago, uh, we were attending a church called Reeb Avenue, of uh, which this church is now uh, uh, the uh, offspring. And I met a young lady. She's the prettiest young lady I ever saw, and she is yet. And today, Connie, would you come here? I know you don't want to do this. Um, but you don't know, she kept asking me, David, do we really want to go to church today? And I said, yeah, this is, a... no, you have to understand, this is our anniversary. This is our anniversary. And she kept, and she kept saying, well, maybe we ought to do something. I said, oh, we'll just go to church. And I want you to know that this is happening and as thank you Tara and I want you to turn your attention to the video screen 
and there's a special video. We wish we could be there to celebrate with you this weekend. We're thankful for you and thankful for your example for our family. We love you. Bye. <laughs> If you don't know, that's our daughter and son-in-law and the three best grandkids in the entire world. Now, we are inviting the whole church to celebrate with us. We have cake over here that said, I know she had no idea. <laughs> Crystal and Phil and everybody took charge of this. And I thought while we were talking about bless this house, it is possible, young people, it is possible to have a life that lives forever. And there is possible for marriages to last. And it is possible to stay in love all your life because we are. So uh, we will meet you over here. If you want to come, I guess they want to take a picture. But you're more than welcome to get a piece of cake. Please do that. And uh, join us for this celebration of our happy 51st anniversary. Amen. All right. God bless you. You are dismissed.